Niagara Falls, New York, with my family in 2009 after pastoring for eight years. I left a full-time ministry there, many great relationships, and a house that my wife did not want to leave. I became the part-time slash full-time pastor of a church that had eight members at the time when I accepted the call and I preached my first sermon on the first Sunday in October 2004. There are actually only two members that started with me uh, when I took the church in 2004 that are currently with the church now. Brother Robert Marshall and Sister Sharon Walker. They were former members who joined after I started pastoring. The name of the church at that time was Grace Tabernacle Baptist Church. That was 18 years ago. After five years of meeting at the Good Shepherd Baptist Church on Porter Road, the Lord led me to relocate the church again. But prior to relocating the church, he placed on my heart a new name for the church so that we would actually be starting as a church plant uh, when we relocated. And so I changed the name from Grace Tabernacle Baptist Church to New Direction Baptist Church because at that time, we were affiliated uh, with the American Baptist Church. Now, the interesting thing about coming to Delaware and spending those five years on Porter Road, the vision that God gave me that still remains was given to me in 1996 as I stood in the pulpit at Grace Calvary Church in Niagara Falls, New York, and they looked at me like I had five heads, and I understand that the vision was not for them. It was vision, the vision was for me, for whatever God had planned for me next. And the interesting thing, if I were to read the vision to you, you would find that the vision has not in a substantial way changed. It was always helping people reach their full potential in Christ. Now, the wording has slightly changed, but the essential part of the vision remains the same. Tell somebody, though it tarries, wait for it, because it shall come to pass. Our new location was Fire Dancer Road in Bear, Delaware, at the current location of Alpha Worship Center. We incorporated as a new church plant under the name New Direction Baptist Church. By the time we remodeled our new place of worship, God had added to our numbers. We were growing. The vision was still in place, but needed clarity. As I focused on how to give more clarity to the vision, we were forced to move again within a year. Uh, we invested the money and got the reconstruction of a place where we were worshiping. Things were going well but it became necessary for me to tell the congregation, we can't stay here, we have to relocate. In the latter part of 2009, and some of the dates may be a little 
skewer, so uh, I'm not exact on all dates, but the latter part of 2009, I informed the church that we could no longer remain in the current location. This proved to be the last straw for all of the leaders, the deacons and the ministry leaders basically said, Pastor, we ain't moving again. This is, this is the end of the road for us. And what I had not realized is that the pastor before me that shepherded the eight had moved them three additional times. So that would have been five times in a relatively short period of time. So all the deacons and ministry leaders, they, they, they decided not to relocate to 103 Rogers Road. And um, when we moved to this new location, we were down to about 12 members, including Sister Valerie Lewis, Selena Guyton, who has gone home to be with the Lord, Sharon Walker, who's still with us, amen, Robert Marshall, he's still with us, and Deaconess and Deacon, Deacon Thomas and Deaconess Thomas, who are both with the Lord, uh, did follow me here. And I have to confess to you that when we reduced to 12, I was extremely discouraged. I felt like a failure. Um, I wanted to quit and had all but submitted my resignation. But something miraculous happened by the grace of God in 2010. I contacted a brother to help with some electrical work uh, in the church, a licensed electrician. Some of you may know him, Deacon uh, George McBride from Alpha uh, Worship Center. He came over to, to, to give an estimate on the work, and I began to just pour out my heart. And I told him uh, that I was leaving, and while I thought we needed electrical work, I really needed some counseling. And this brother made his gift of counseling available to me, and he convinced me not to resign. Shortly after our conversation, God led a very powerful man of God uh, to this church. Some of you know him, Reverend Ron, Ron Folks. And uh, he did not stay with us long. Uh, in fact, when he started visiting, I, I would blockade the door. I didn't want to let him go. And, uh, but he, he was here long enough for other godly couples to basically say, if he would come here, we'll check it out. So God instantly added to the church uh, around uh, 2011, 2000, latter part of 2010, a group of godly families that united, to the, uh, united with us. And not long after that, the Lord laid upon my heart to, to change the name of the church again, since I no longer was associated with the American Baptist, from New Direction Baptist Church to New Direction Bible Fellowship Church, which we are now a non-denominational church. The church leaders in the congregation agreed to our name change. What has occurred, faces and places have changed, but the vision with new clarity remains the same, helping people reach their full potential in Christ by making disciples that make disciples through the life-changing word. So God used the new leadership to help to give me clarity and 
more precision with the vision because the vision, though, was, though it was given in 1996, it was for now. It was for this church. And I thank the Lord for bringing those who are now a part of this fellowship alongside to help me to know how to shepherd the church through the vision that he gave me. So that's the, a kind of overview of the history of how we got to where we are. And I do want to recognize that the former pastor, when I came from Niagara Falls, the reason I could come, he put $50,000 of his own money into the church's account so that the church could pay me a salary. And so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. I'm also keenly aware that I've never pastored a large congregation, but I have pastored thousands. Throughout my 42 years of ministry, I've preached to thousands. I've shared the gospel with thousands. And I know that my ministry has never been, I didn't always know this, but my ministry has never been restricted to the local congregation. But it, God has used me in ways that I'm grateful. And I'm, I am committed never to really pastor a church that, quote, unquote, is a mega church. I believe that what you do when the church grows to a point where we're unfamiliar with each other, you expand to another church and expand. And that's what the New Testament church did. So I'm not against churches that have thousands of members, but I believe that to maintain the intimacy that churches so desperately needed that Brother um, Evan talked about today, transparency, that the way we do that is through church, church multiplication. Now, in the book of Habakkuk, historically, we discover that the nation of Israel, particularly the two southern tribes, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, was experiencing a life-altering crisis. They had a trifecta of enemies from the south, they had to fear the Assyrians nation that had already taken the 10 tribes of Israel into captivity. And from the, so, so from the north were the Assyrians. From the south, the two tribes of uh, Judah had to deal with the Egyptians. But the most fierce group of all that was still formulating as a nation that was originally called the Chaldeans and ultimately called the Babylonians were really the most dangerous threat to the nation of Israel because it was the Babylonians who leveled the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the Temple of Solomon and removed all the household items. It was the Babylonians who took Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego into captivity, but those events that ultimately happened at the hands of the Babylonians as God's chastening rod for the sins of the nation did not occur until at least 70 years after the prophecy that God gave to Habakkuk in chapter in the book of Habakkuk. Somebody say, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Now, as, as, people, as the people of God were suffering, when you read the book of Habakkuk, the prophet begins to ask God a series of questions about how long are you going to allow your people to go through this kind of pain? 
So when you read verses 1 through 17 in the book of Rebekah, one question after another, when God, when, why, how, and, and all these pointed questions to God. How many of you know it's okay to ask God questions? It's okay to ask God questions. And the book of Rebekah and the book of Job are illustrations of God doesn't have problems as long as we're reverential and respectful and not trying to dictate to God, he will respond. And so beginning in verse 18 through the remainder of chapter 1, God responds to the questions that Habakkuk raises about the suffering of the nation. Now watch this. The vision that God has for your life is often birthed out of your burden based on the suffering or some crises that you've had in your life. The things that are most important to you that you want to change, that you feel that you can make a difference about, are birthed. The seed of that ministry that ultimately becomes your vision starts out of a painful experience. So when you try to discover what it is, what is it that God has for me? What is the vision of God for my life? It will come out of those things that keep you up at night. It will come from those things that make you cry. It will come from those things that you can't idly sit and watch happen without feeling like you need to do something to make it better. Vision is birthed out of pain. And the way God normally will reveal the vision is that the pain that brings you to your knees, the pain that turns you Godward, will cause you to raise questions And the the way that God answers the question is normally his vision for your life. So the answer to your question is God's direction. It is God's GPS for your life. So when you question God and he answers, don't be surprised that the answer to your question out of the burden of your heart is really the vision for your life. You don't have to be in the dark. This is not hocus pocus. What is heavy on your heart? What matters to you most? And as you are reflecting on what matters to you most, you take those things before God. Now, the things that matter to you most ought to matter to God. God ain't so concerned about how good you look. God ain't so concerned about if you can get that car versus another car. But what does What is on your heart that makes it heavy that lines up to what God is concerned about? And you raise the questions, and God's answers will often be the vision for your life. Have you spent time before the Lord about what's hurting you? Some of us hurt over marriages. Some of us hurt because of how children are treated. Some of us hurt because of of people that are marginalized because of where they live or because of the color of their skin and Uh, Some of you have a a tremendous burden for souls. Some of you have a tremendous burden for how work, the quality of work that's done for people who don't have, whatever that burden is. Watch God as you cry out to him, give birth to vision. Somebody say amen. God instructs the the prophet in verse 2. He says, write the vision down. Now, when God tells us to write something about the future down, he already knows the outcome before it is completed. 
And so from the mind of God, a vision is something that's already finished. And so God is simply rewinding from, from his perspective what he's already said. And so he tells us to write the vision down so that when what, so when he, what, he, what he says will happen, in this case, 70 years later, we can look at what God said would happen to see that it happened just like he said it would happen. It shall come to pass. It shall not lie. And so when God gives you the vision, it will be about the future, even though from God's perspective, it's in the past. It'll be about something that is yet to come, but in God's mind, it's already done. That's why vision means to be able to see the end from the beginning. To see the end from the beginning, because you understand that in the mind of God, it's concluded, it's done. It has been completed in the realm, in the spirit realm, but it has not been manifested in the physical realm. Somebody say amen. In the labor of your life experiences is the place and time that God plants the seed of vision. What have you gone through that's really hard for you? Watch what God manifested, manifests from that seed. Watch what he manifests from, manifests from that seed. And so God answers the question about how long they would be suffering, but he doesn't give all the details. How many of you know when God gives, a vi- gives us a vision, he doesn't give you all the details? The answer to the question is the framework. It's the structure. And the reason he doesn't tell us everything that he is going to do in our life through our gifts, through our talent, through his call, through the things that we've been exposed to, is because if he told us every detail, then we wouldn't need to trust him. But more importantly, what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says, he says God will bless us beyond what we can comprehend or even fathom. The vision from God is so unfathomable, so beyond our human ability to accomplish. If he told you everything that he intended to accomplish through you, because the vision is never just about you. The call on God, on your life from God is generational. If he showed you everything that's going to happen through the generations that you are impacting, it would blow your mind. It's kind of like when Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, where the Bible says that he went to heaven. And he, what he saw in heaven, the Lord said, you can't tell anybody. And I was like, well, why can't you tell anybody? Because if he, told everybody, if he told everything he saw in heaven, people would be committing suicide to get there. If God showed us everything that he has in store for you and for me regarding seeing the end from the beginning, regarding making, having a preferable outcome that you feel that if you are involved, it will be better. If he showed you every detail, we couldn't handle it. It's kind of like your parents giving you your inheritance while you're three years old. It's only $10, but anyway, you, you, <laughs> what is a three-year-old going to do with $10? But you, you, you get the point. Somebody say amen. Do you know what God 
has called you to do. For each one of us, there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a design, there's a piece of the puzzle where you fit. And unfortunately, some of us are going to go to our grave never having placed our piece of the puzzle in the right place. I went to Dallas Seminary for four years. I never understood anything about vision. I did know about when we were little kids, we would sit on the step and say, that's my car, that's my car. And we'd look in the magazine, I'm going to live here. I'm gonna live. We would dream, but a dream and a vision aren't the same. One's make pretend. The other, the other is new. Now, when God gives you vision for your life, this is the most important thing. If you never get anything else out of anything I ever preach, I didn't know this. Decisions should be based on your vision. Not where you are, but where God is taking you. Make your decisions based on the vision. Don't make your decisions after you, don't, don't try to discover your vision after you've already made decisions to never go to college, to, to not take that job. So your decisions should be based on vision. And here's some things that are very important. And we're just going to get started. I can't give you all of this. It's more than, more than I can pre pre present to you today. But during the fall, during our biblical academy, we're going to go through a whole series of studies on the principles and power of vision. We're going to do a whole study. Everybody's going to have to buy their own book. So save up your dollars so that you can get your book on the principles. It's only $13, so I'm sure some of you can work that out. Amen? So the first thing that the Lord says about vision, he tells the prophet Habakkuk to write the vision down. Do you see that in the scripture? Look with me. Look at verse 2. It says, then the Lord answered me and said, and said, said and said. He said, write it, write it down. And there, there's some things that you need to understand. When the Lord says write it down, there's six things that, that are connected to that statement. The first is we need to understand that, vi that vision is, is from divine revelation. Vision comes from God. Not from Wall Street, not from the White House, not from Cousin Pookie. The Bible says that God answered and said to Rebecca, write it down. You need to make sure that this is divine revelation. One of the things that happens, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, do not be deceived. And he goes through a whole list of things that the church was practicing that was sinful. And he says that this should not be your lifestyle because those kind of people who live like this without repentance, without conviction, he says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he adds, but such were some of you. But now, he says, we have been, we are the sanctified, we are the wise, we are the redeemed. And one of the things that happens when we receive divine revelation, divine vision for our life, we have the capacity, because the Spirit of God is living in us, we have the capacity to not only receive it, but we can understand it. We are now the wisdom of God. 
You have the wisdom of God if you're saved. And so the first thing that you need to understand about when the Lord said, write it down, it was the Lord who said, write it down, because vision comes from God. Divine revelation, it is divine revelation. The second thing is discernment is needed. Say discernment. You must answer the question, did God say that I should quit my job? There's a woman who, uh, a prophet at the church told her that the Lord wanted her to go in business, quit her job, go buy uh, a, a truck to sell her bakery goods. She quit her job. She bought the van, and nobody brought her cakes. <laughs> and she went bankrupt. Now, this prophet, according to Scripture, if somebody tells you that God said it, that means that they are speaking what is called ex-cathedral. They are speaking as the orator of God. And when God speaks, he never lies. But if what someone told you to do doesn't come to pass and they said it was God, the test of a prophet in Deuteronomy 14 was, if it didn't happen, now let's go out to the outside of the city so we can get some bricks for you. I don't know any prophets that are saying, if it don't come to pass, I'm willing to, give, to, to, to stake my life on this. You know anybody like that? Any prophets like that? Well, biblical prophets were speaking as the mouthpiece of God, and it was a serious matter. So discernment is needed. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 8 through 9, the Bible, Jesus, the, the, uh, the Lord speaking, says, uh, yes, through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord God Almighty the God of Israel says, do not let prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to their, the dreams you encourage them to have. There are people that you tell, I'm talking about astrology. And you go read your astrology, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Because if they don't tell you what you want to hear, you're not going to read it anymore. And if you don't read it anymore, you're not going to spend your money to buy it anymore. So he said, don't go to prophets that will tell you what you want to hear. You can get mad at me, get mad at the elders, get mad at the leadership of the church because we held you accountable, not based on our opinion, but on what thus saith the Lord. And you go right up the street, and they won't preach anything about what we told you that God says he, 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 he adhors. So, but he says, don't go to those kind of deceivers. Do not listen to their dreams. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, I will not, I have not sent them there, declare the Lord. So beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly wherever this will. So when God, when divine revelation comes, one of the things that you know when it's true, it will always line up with the scriptures. God will not tell you you're Samson and you can stop a moving train. A guy actually said the voice of God told him that he had superhuman strength. He stepped on the tracks in Philadelphia and attempted to to stop the train, and when he woke up, he had four less fingers, half of a foot, but he survived. And then he was able to say, God didn't say that. <laughs> so be discerning, be discerning. Now, here's another thing. Discipline, when you write it, when the Lord says write it down, he's saying be disciplined. Discipline's needed. You must wait on God to answer. The prophet wait. He asked the question. Lord, where am I supposed to go? What job am I supposed to take? Who am I supposed to marry? You better be asking those kind of questions. Where am I supposed to live? Should I really leave New Direction to go down here and they don't have any Bible-centered churches? You're asking those kind of questions, but you shouldn't move until God answers. 
And we're so impatient. We get in the McDonald's line. They ain't taking 30 seconds. We used to stay in the McDonald's for about 30 minutes yesterday. And I was holding on to them. I didn't have nothing, but I was like acting like I did because we were in a bad place. But to hear the, 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 the revelation for God for your life, it, it, it's, you need discipline. Wait until he speaks. The prophet waited until God answered. Vision often comes in the form of an answer. Question, as I've already said, wait. Wait. When, when's the last time you're going for the Lord and ask him questions about what's heavy on your heart? And waited. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. You'll mount up with wings of eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. You'll walk and you're not faint. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. But let patience have a perfect work. God is trying to mature us. God is trying to grow us up. But we need to be disciplined. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We lack self-control. So we make decisions not on vision. We make decisions based on impulses. And then we get what we got. We end up with Ishmael instead of Isaac. Here's a third, a fourth thing. Develop, development of the visionary is needed. As God said, he answered the question of Habakkuk, this will end not well for Israel. Babylon will take them into captivity, and they will be there. He didn't give the details, but Jeremiah gives us that in chapter, uh, tw- uh, chapter 27, where he says they're going to be there for 70 years. And so when God gave the vision to Habakkuk, back in eternity past, God had already decided on how he would respond to their issue. But watch this. Development of the visionary means that sometimes God has a vision for you, but he's waiting for you to grow up before he can reveal it to you. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, by now you should be eating meat. By now you should be. Now Moses, God had a vision for Moses to deliver the children of Israel. But he decided to, to take matters into his own hands. And so what should have happened while he was still serving under the authority of Pharaoh ended up taking 40 years. God waited 40 years before he could reveal to Moses the vision. It was... At the age of 75, that God revealed his vision for Abraham. Caleb was, I believe Caleb was 120, something like that, when, when he said, give me this. No, Moses died at 120. So Caleb was 80. Nehemiah prayed for four months, and then the Lord revealed the vision about rebuilding. So developments, God is waiting for you. Sometimes the reason why you don't know the vision for your life is because he's waiting for you to grow up spiritually. And the sad thing is that some Christians are never going to grow up spiritually enough that God will reveal. You can go to, you're going to go to your grave never knowing what you were assigned to do on earth. So God is trying to develop us. That's why Paul says, eyes have not seen is have not heard nor has entered into the hearts of men. What God wants to reveal to those by his spirit but that he will reveal to those who love him. If you're selfish and self-centered, God is not obligated to reveal anything to you about the treasure of his vision for your life. And so a lot of Christians spend their entire life chasing their tail. You're busy. You're involved, but you're not satisfied. You're not fulfilled. 
because you've not developed. The vision has already come. It will come to pass if you would simply respond by growing up. Somebody say grow up. Definite, definiteness is needed. Say definiteness. I heard you. <laughs> Notice he said, write the vision down. He didn't say a vision, the visions. If you have multiple visions for your family or for a church, you don't have, that's no longer vision, that's division. That's why Jesus said a house that is divided against itself will not stand. So when, when, some, when you ladies, when you're thinking about who you're going to marry, you need to understand, does this man have vision? And when it's from God, it's supernatural. And, and it's the supernaturalness of the vision is so large that your vision can come under that and you will not miss the will of God for your life when that man has a vision from God. And so the definiteness of it is this. My vision, the vision for my life is not, is not the vision God has for you. There's a specific vision, the vision that God has for each and every one of us. That's why when you decide to come to a church, you need to know, is the vision for the church big enough to encompass the vision that God gave to me? The problem is that we have in churches too many people, as, and I'm running ahead of myself, you, you got your own vision, but you won't line it up under one vision. And when you have multiple visions, you've got division. You can only have one vision. You can't be going in reverse and forward at the same time. You know how it is to have a backseat driver? You can feel him slamming the brake in the back of the car, grabbing on the seat. Now, my wife don't do that because she's usually asleep. She's been staying awake here lately as I've gotten younger. <laughs> she's watching her brother. She used to go right, she'd get in the car, hey, gone. Nah, I got company the whole way now. <laughs> she know a brother will go to sleep. Amen. Definiteness. The vision of your ministry for your marriage should be bigger, big enough to incorporate whoever's coming under it. If you had a church whose vision is not big enough to incorporate what you believe God has called you to do, you're at the wrong church. Find another church. Because if you stay at that church, you are causing division. That's division. But if you get under helping people reach their full potential in Christ by making disciples that make disciples through the life-changing word, and that's big enough, and you can line up what you're doing, and you're going to serve, that we're good. But other than that, how survive? Here's the final thing that's needed under right division. Dictation is needed. What do you say? Write it down on what? On tablets. Where's your vision written? Can you show it to me right now? Don't, yeah. He said, write the vision that I have revealed to you out of your burden in my answer to the question. Write it down. Now, he says, when I talk about dictation, when, you, when someone dictates to you, you don't get to write, it, write what you say. You write what they tell you to say. What is God telling you to write down? Whatever he tells you is going to line up with your gifts. By the way, they were, they were pretty decent on those instruments today. Would you say so? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Line up with your gifts and your talents. And your experiences are so important. What have you written down about the vision from God for your life? 
we're going to help you with that going forward if, you, if there are questions about how to do it. Now, I just want to run through. I had a big, I had a real nice illustration, but we're going to just forget the illustration. Let's go to the next thing. He said, make it plain and available on tablets. When you write out your vision, follow the KISS principle. Keep it simple, smart. No, keep it simple, stupid. I used to have that on the back of the pulpit. I had it taped on the back of the pulpit. KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Our, our clear vision is making disciples that make disciples through life-changing word. We have seven focuses in terms of how we do that. We have some priorities. There's some things about this that, I, that will outlive me, and I hope they will continue after I'm gone. But we, one of the ways that we're making disciples that make disciples is, is through digital church. That's a part of the vision. We are reaching people for Christ through digital church. We're reaching people through, for Christ through our, or through our biblical academy. We have a learning center that we're looking forward to that will address mind, body, soul, and spirit. We have life groups that have already started, amen? And, and we're being blessed, and we're just so grateful for that. We're doing life together. And just to hear again, Brother Evan catching the terminology, the boy's just flowing, man. He got it. I don't know where he got that from, but he got it. Amen. We're building a house for God in Middletown. Not just the building. The building is, is where we're going to do doing life together, where we're going to do Learning Center and, and the Biblical Academy. We are going to have a trauma healing ministry. People are hurting. We had trauma healing counseling. Uh, it's on the podcast. I expected a lot more of you. But we are going to have that training available going forward because we want to be ready moving. We don't want to be getting ready once we get there. And then we're going to have what I'm calling a parallel church for the millennials, a church that's right alongside the, the main church that we are, uh, that's, that's like a satellite working right along with us, and the millennials will be leading it based on the scriptures. Their methodology will be different. And so that's a prayer that I have, that we will have a parallel church. It'll sound a lot different from ours, but it's going to meet the specific need. And so, so he said, make it clear. Did I just do that? Is that clear? Now, all of these aren't priorities, but the, the, the main things, life group, learning center, uh, digital church, and the uh, biblical academy. He says, share the vision that they may what? Oh, I'm back on, I'm back on in, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, share the vision that they may run with it who read it, right? The greatest vision will go absolutely nowhere if the people you make it clear to don't embrace it. A vision without people that will buy into it, that will accept it, is like a plane without wings. It won't fly. Don't matter how pretty the plane is. Some of the greatest speakers today, the Tony Evanses of this world and others, as great as they are as orders of words of God, as expositors of the preacher, you take away their supporting cast. And we don't know anything about Tony Evans. And so what that says to me, if what the vision that God has given me for the church will go no further than you take it. Somebody say amen. 
If you're not enthusiastic about it, if it doesn't do anything for you, if it doesn't make you feel like you want to be a part of it, if you're not sharing with other people, guess what's going to happen to the church? It won't grow. Well, if he, he preached the word, people are going to go, no, 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 no. The Bible says the job of the pastor is to teach you, to equip you, to do, for you to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ, that you may come to the full measure and stature of Jesus Christ. It's your job to build the church up. It's my job to give you the gas to do it. Somebody say Amen. So if you don't share our podcast, if you don't invite people to listen, and, and you don't bring people here, if you don't welcome them when they come, guess what? The church isn't going to grow. It don't matter if we move next to heaven. He said, right, make it clear so they that read it can take it and run with it. Are you running with the vision? Have you decided that I'm all in? Do you have any skin in the game? Share the vision with others. Stick with the vision. He says, it is for an appointed time. That means that even though the vision is clear, there will be obstacles. It's not going to always look like we thought it would look and happen the way we thought it should happen. But he said, Terry, wait on the vision. Stick with the vision. The vision didn't change. God just said, go the long way. Because there's some things I still want to teach you. Stick with the vision, verse 3b. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Though it tarries, it will come to pass. There's some things that God has for you that haven't happened. That doesn't mean that they won't. Stick with the vision for your life. Trust God as you wait. He says, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. He said, but the just shall do what? The just shall live. So we trust in the Lord as the vision is tarrying because what God says is going to happen is going to happen just like he said. Tarry, tarry, wait for the vision. Let me share quickly as we close. Here's some things that kill, that kill vision. Are you still with me? I'm going to make sure I didn't leave something out here. Made the vision clear, share the vision, stick with the vision. But here's what kills vision. Division in the church. Those who sow, you got click, if you have clicks in the church, it will kill a vision. Because you have, it's like having a seamless dress, ladies, and somebody coming and pulling the dress in opposite directions. It's not meant to be torn. But a divided church is a church that has schisms. It's torn. And so it cannot function as it's supposed to. So clicks and division. Deception. The people who join the church who have hidden agendas like Miriam and Aaron. Who made you the only voice from God, Moses? They got upset when he married a black woman. He married an Ethiopian woman. And they came up to him and said, bro, we were, we, we, we're changing your diapers. What you mean? you the one who's speaking for God. And then the Bible says that God spoke from heaven and said, Moses, set up a meeting for tomorrow. Miriam and Aaron, you don't have the option. Show up on time. And so God set up a meeting. He says, Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. I meet with Moses, not like the rest of you jokers. I meet with Moses face to face. He has FaceTime with me. 
And he said, Mary, put your hand out. Mary put her hand out. God made it leprous. And then old chicken brother Aaron jumped back. <laughs> and know what the first thing Moses did? He said, got you. That's what you deserve. Picking on God, serving. Man, of God, touch not the noise. No, he said, he prayed for her. And God heard his prayer and sent her outside the camp for, for a certain amount of time as lepers were separated, and then she was healed and she was able to return. But she had a hidden agenda. They weren't about what, they, it wasn't about God, it was about power. Dominating spirits. Controlling spirits that devalue creativity and spontaneity. One of the things that I am, I'm a very creative person. Trust me, I am. I didn't realize that I was, but I haven't had a lot of creative thoughts since the pandemic. We started with a little creativity today. But my point is that controlling people aren't comfortable with spontaneity. Things have to be just as planned. Some people are more concerned about the program than the power of God. So we can, we can discard the program if the power of God. We got a time limit, but if God is moving, we're going to stick with what God is moving. Amen? Are you still with me? I'm not going to go through all these. Let me go through a few more. Uh, doubting God. Some of us are too afraid to step out. God done told you to do something. You're getting ready to do it. You should have. You could have. I was. But you never did it because you, it wasn't about what you couldn't do. You, you just doubted God. Divine delays can kill a dream, can kill a vision. Disqualification for personal sin. Moses never made it into the promised land because he sinned. Samson lost his life and was blinded because of sexual sin. And you go right through the scripture. The kingdom of David was divided. The Bible says that the sword will never leave your home, David. I'll let you continue to be king, but because of your sin. And so sometimes... The vision for our life will never be realized because God disqualified us because of our personal sin. Here's a final one. There are others. It's uh, discouragement. One of the most powerful tools that the devil uses to kill a dream is discouragement. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this information available to you online. I'm going to put something together like I did for pressing pause. So this information will be available to you. It's a, it's a lot of detail. I don't want to go. I have so much more that I want to say. But I was, now, maybe here as we're closing. So, yeah, Bishop, you're talking about vision. I, I can believe that for the pastor. I can believe that for the elders. And the, but God don't have, I don't have no vision. You don't know where I came from. And by the way, I'm, 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 I'm past 70 years old. I, God called Moses when he was 80. Somebody say Amen. God said to Abraham at 75, you are going to be a father of a great nation. 75 years old. The Bible says that all of the plumbing had shut down. Nothing was working no more. But God said it shall come to pass. It may tarry, but it will not lie. It will be true. It will happen just like I said. And when Abraham hit 100 years old, 25 years later, he got a twinkle in his eye. And Sarah at age 90, God said, now. About this time next year. Remember uh, Esther? 
the, 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 the Haman and Mordecai and that story. When you get a chance to read the book of Exodus, and, 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 and the boy, and it looked like the nation of Israel was going to be destroyed. But, 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 but I, I hear Esther praying to the Lord. She was nothing but a teenager. All she asked was one night with the king. If I could just get one night with the king, it's going. She got that one night with the king, and it was such a great night that the king said, whatever you want, baby. I'm about to change my mind. I'm about to go against my own laws. You read about David. He was just a teenager. When he stood before Goliath and it was a circumstance, it was a burden, it was an uncircumcised Philistine cursing and blaspheming the name of the Lord. And David said, who is this uncircumcised? He's, I could just see him taking off his stuff. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? While the army of Israel, the nation of Israel is trembling, the soldiers who've been trained, who are in armor, David's taking it. Who is this uncircumcised? And then he said, is there not a cause? That's vision. Is there not a cause? And then someone heard David talking bad. That was, the, that was the day God gave David a vision about leadership. And you just go right through the scriptures. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was just a teenager. She said, I don't understand. I'm just a little sister from, from a dirty place called Nazareth. But the Lord says, this day you will be honored and favored among all women because the Holy Ghost is about to come upon you. And we're still being blessed by Mary's obedience. Somebody stand up. Aren't you glad that it will come to pass? It shall come to pass. You may not have done everything that God told you to do. You may not fully understand what you should have done. You didn't even know what vision was. But now that you do, remember what God has called for you. It shall. It shall. It, it has tarried. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you to grow up, to mature, to change, to come to a place of surrender. If you simply would surrender to him and say, Lord, I present myself at right now as a living sacrifice. Speak to me, Lord. My heart's been heavy. I've shed in tears, God. I just want to know what is the direction for my life. And God said, it will. It will come to pass. Are you ready for God to release to you your purpose, your plan, his plan for you? Remember, his purpose and plan. It, yes, he will. Amen. Hallelujah. It shall. Great things will come to pass, husbands, if you walk in vision. Wives, you can see beyond what has been tearing you apart and bringing you down if you walk in vision. The just shall live by what? Faith. By faith. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are grateful. We're so grateful.